happens when we die? There are a lot of opinions, positions, and beliefs about that. Dr. Michael Gleghorn brings some much-needed clarity to the discussion now on Probe. What does the New Testament teach about the nature and destiny of human beings? In a previous program, I discuss what the Old Testament has to say about these issues, giving special attention to the human body and soul. This week we'll consider what the New Testament has to say. About 400 years separate the end of the Old Testament from the beginning of the New. During this so-called intertestamental period, Jewish biblical scholars, like the Pharisees, continued to teach and write about what God had revealed in the Hebrew Scriptures. According to John Cooper, the Pharisees taught that when a person dies, the soul leaves the body to continue its existence in an intermediate state, already enjoying or lamenting the anticipated consequences of God's judgment. Interestingly, both Jesus and the Apostle Paul also seem to have held this view. Consider, for example, some of the last words spoken by Jesus just prior to his death on the cross. You may remember that Jesus was crucified between two criminals. While one of these men railed against Jesus, the other, aware of his guilt, asked Jesus to remember him when he came into his kingdom. Jesus responded by promising this man that he would join him in paradise that very day. Paradise, in the Jewish thinking of the time, was understood to be a pleasant and refreshing place where the souls of the righteous continue their existence between the death and resurrection of the body. The body, in other words, may die, but the soul, or person, continues to exist apart from their body. Although this criminal had only hours left to live, his elementary confession of faith in Jesus resulted in Jesus promising him that they would be together in paradise that very day. This ought to encourage all of us who have put our hope in Christ for salvation. Our bodies may wear out and die, but when they do, we shall go to be with Christ, awaiting the resurrection of our bodies while enjoying the presence of the Lord. But what about the other criminal, the one who mocked and insulted Jesus? Although we're not told what happened to him, we know from elsewhere in Scripture that the souls of the unrepentant also continue to exist after the death of the body. Tomorrow, we'll take a closer look at the fate of the righteous and unrighteous dead. You've been listening to Probe with your host, Dr. Michael Gleghorn. So what happens when your body dies? Well, get Michael's free transcript, Body and Soul in the New Testament, at probe.org. And join us next time as we reclaim and proclaim God's truth here on Probe. What happens to us when we die? Do we continue to exist in some sense? Jesus' story of the rich man and Lazarus appears to offer some answers to these questions. The story concerns a rich man who lacks for nothing, and a poor beggar named Lazarus, who is laid at the rich man's gate. The story implies that the rich man could have helped Lazarus, but never did so. Eventually, both men died. Lazarus is said to be carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Essentially, he is depicted as being with the Jewish patriarch Abraham in paradise. Paradise, you'll remember, was considered a place of rest and refreshment for the righteous dead. By contrast, the rich man, his body having been buried, finds himself in torment in Hades. Seeing both Abraham and Lazarus at a great distance, he pleads with them for help. Abraham, however, tells him that this just isn't possible. 
What might this story teach us about the nature and destiny of human beings? Though we should perhaps be careful about reading the story too literally, it seems to teach that we will each continue to exist, in some sense, even after the death of our body. Moreover, this existence will be experienced as either joyful or sorrowful, depending on our relationship with God. Although the story seems to depict the rich man and Lazarus as if they still have bodies of some sort, John Cooper offers several reasons for believing that the story is using figurative language to describe a time in which these men exist apart from their bodies. This would be the period between the death and resurrection of the body. What are some of the reasons that Cooper offers for this view? First, at the time Jesus tells this story, he regarded the resurrection as a still future event. It is thus unlikely that the story here concerns some sort of literal bodily existence. Second, the story locates the rich man in Hades, and this term appears only to be used of the intermediate state, between the death and resurrection of the body. The story thus appears to depict the rich man and Lazarus as consciously existing persons between the death and resurrection of their bodies. And if this is so, then we are more than just our bodies, as we'll see more fully tomorrow. Do you view yourself as more than just your body? Might you also have a soul? We've previously considered evidence for the human soul in the teachings of Jesus. Today, we'll consider further evidence from the writings of the Apostle Paul. In his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul recounts an extraordinary experience which he had 14 years earlier. He describes being caught up into paradise and hearing things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. For our purposes, the most important element of this experience concerns a peculiar detail mentioned twice by the Apostle. According to Paul, he was unsure whether he had this experience while in the body or out of the body. That is, Paul was unsure whether he had been caught up into paradise in his body or out of it. But why is this important? Because it shows that Paul regarded the out-of-body option as a genuine possibility. You see, many scholars have argued that Paul did not believe in any sort of conscious existence apart from the body. The great New Testament scholar F.F. F. Bruce claimed that Paul could not conceive of a situation in which he might exist and have experiences apart from his body. Now you might be thinking, well wait just a minute, didn't you say that Paul was unsure whether this experience had occurred while in the body or out of it? Maybe he remained in his body and the experience was just a vision of paradise occurring while he was in some sort of trance-like state on earth. Yes, you're right. That is possible, although it doesn't seem consistent with what Paul actually says. And here's the thing. The very fact that Paul was unsure whether this experience occurred while he was in or out of his body tells us that he regarded the out-of-body explanation as a genuine possibility. And if this is so, then contrary to what some scholars have said, Paul most certainly could conceive of conscious existence apart from his body. Indeed, he thought he may have had just such an experience himself. But we can take this argument further. For as we'll see tomorrow, Paul, like the Pharisees and Jesus, seemed to think that we'll continue to exist and have experiences between the death 
and resurrection of our bodies. When I was a child, our family would occasionally go camping. Although we usually went in a camper with air conditioning, a shower, and beds, I've also spent a few nights camping out in a tent. Most of us have probably had such an experience, though of course whether we enjoyed it or not is quite another matter. A tent is basically a portable structure that provides a temporary place to stay while we're away from our permanent home. In 2 Corinthians 5, the Apostle Paul has a fascinating discussion that touches on just some of these issues. The discussion is challenging, but if we consider it step by step, I think we can get a handle on what the Apostle is saying. He begins like this, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. When Paul writes of the tent that is our earthly home, he is referring to our physical bodies here and now. If our body is destroyed and we die physically, we have, says Paul, a building from God, eternal in the heavens, awaiting us. According to John Cooper, this building can plausibly refer to one of two things. It might refer to our future resurrection body. However, it may also refer simply to being with Christ. If the second option is meant, then Paul is speaking about going to be with Christ at the time of death, in which we are, as he later puts it, at home with the Lord. Paul characterizes our present earthly state as one of groaning, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, that we may not be found naked. Although these verses are difficult to interpret, it is probable that nakedness refers to temporarily existing without the clothing of a body when we die naked souls, if you will. If this is so, then Paul is saying that when we die, we go immediately to be with Christ. There, we are at home with the Lord, awaiting that day in which we will put on our heavenly dwelling. This likely refers to our resurrection body. At the time of the resurrection, our souls will be united with a glorious new body, so that we might eternally enjoy life with Christ and fellow believers in the new heaven and new earth. We will consider these issues more fully tomorrow. The Bible envisions a future time in which all who have died will be raised from the dead into some sort of physical, bodily existence. The New Testament writers refer to this as the resurrection of the dead, and it will include both believers and unbelievers. Hence, Jesus, referring to his own unique role in executing divine judgment, claims that an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Although evidence elsewhere in the New Testament suggests that different groups of people may be raised at different times, the key point here is that this event has not yet taken place it's still in the future. Paul says much the same thing in several of his letters. For example, he tells the Philippians that we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Elsewhere, Paul tells us that our resurrection bodies will be imperishable, powerful, and glorious. It's exciting to consider that the Lord intends to give His people glorious new bodies, 
patterned after his own resurrection body, so that we might enjoy eternal life with him forever. When that day dawns, our joy will truly be complete. So how might we attempt to summarize our discussion for the week? First, both Jesus and Paul seem to have taught that human beings are, in some sense, composed of both a body and a soul. John Cooper describes the relationship of soul and body as one of functional holism. Our body and soul function as a thoroughly integrated whole during our present earthly lives. But when our body dies, our soul continues to exist, awaiting the resurrection of our body at some future time. On that day, our soul will be united with our resurrection body, either to enjoy eternal life with Jesus or face eternal judgment in hell. This, it seems to me, is what the New Testament has to say about the nature and destiny of humanity. In Christ, we are offered a sure and steadfast hope for both our soul and our body.